the Pro Act Know How. Hi, <laughs> welcome to this live webinar. We've changed our setup a bit today, so uh, I hope, hope you like it a bit. Um, I just want to show off our logo and get told off about that. As you can see, I've got a, a bit of an air conditioning machine uh, behind us, but uh, don't worry too much about that. Everything will be okay. Uh, so what, what we're talking about today is we're looking at um, do you need to pay national insurance abroad um, and, and what do you get for that? Um, now, it's a really, really complicated topic and we covered some issues in our live webinar last week um, around uh, social insurance and what the benefits are in terms of focusing more on state pensions last week. So consider um, a, a bit more about it. So when <clears throat> social insurance is a tax, you have to pay it on your earnings. And therefore, it's going to be quite a, a significant amount of uh, 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 expense against your income uh, when you're considering relocating abroad. Now, if you go to some countries, they don't have a social insurance system. Um, and, and then you've got the consideration about whether you maintain your home uh, benefits or not. Uh, vice versa, there are other countries that do have a social insurance system and therefore it's compulsory to join in certain circumstances. So let's clarify that in terms of, for, from a UK expat perspective, what is uh, going to happen when you relocate overseas and um, as well, uh, how, that, how that's going to impact your employment with your employer. Um, so in terms of um, paying social insurance in the UK and paying it abroad, it, there has to be a social insurance agreement between the, the UK or between the two countries that you're working between. If, you, um, it, it, if there's no social insurance agreement between the two countries, then you're essentially just following the rules of that one country that, that you're in or the one country that, that you're leaving. Um, there is only 47 UK social insurance agreements around the world. Very simple. One of them is Ireland. There's a close economic ties with uh, the U UK and Ireland have been going on for very, very many years. Uh, they are sustained. Um, be beyond that, um, the, the rest of the EU, that's 26 countries, um, but also the EEA countries, which is Iceland, Liechtenstein, Norway, and Switzerland, necessarily uh, would expect some bigger countries like Canada, but it doesn't include Australia, although it does include New Zealand uh, and the USA. So it, it, it's not a comprehensive set of social insurance agreements, but for more information and guidance, you can go to our website and, and find out more information in our blogs and, and web pages there for the full list of the 47 countries where there's a social insurance agreement between the UK uh, and, uh, and, and those countries overseas. Now, let, let's have a look at what is the scenario if you're working for a UK employer and then you're working overseas. Generally, if you're on a short contract and you're not working abroad for more than 183 days, then you're going to be okay 
uh, to keep your contract and your employment working in the UK. So if you've got a UK-based employer um, and, you, and you're working abroad, uh, traveling around the world, to the Middle East, to Europe or elsewhere, then as long as you, you're um, not working abroad for more than 183 days a year, your whole tax liability, including social insurance, remains in the UK and can remain in the UK. Um, the, the reverse situation applies. If you're working for more than six months abroad in one country, then your whole of your tax residence should revert to that country. Um, and, and, and that is the difference between residence and tax residence and, and in short stays and, and non-short stays. Now, there is this issue that we've also covered in our webinars with the Schengen zone restrictions on the 90-day rules. Um, that is something that's slightly different, but for this scenario here that we're using, uh, it, it does follow through uh, quite well. So six months um, outside the UK, uh, more than six months, then you have to start paying tax and social insurance in that other country less than six months you could, uh, a year you can stay uh, as a UK uh, taxpayer paying social insurance so that's the rules for expats leaving the, the UK um, bearing in mind that if your employment is from a UK based employer um, they could be applying IL35 rules when you want to be a contractor um, therefore Effectively, they're treating you like an employee in the UK. That's not always good for people that are working remotely. So if you want advice and guidance on, on reducing your tax footprint in the UK by working remotely as a contractor, then contact us at productpartnership.com. So um, <clears throat> even if you're working remotely, the UK company can choose to uh, tax you uh, under IR35 rules. Um, if you've got a, a contract basis and you're working remotely, then you can be taxed in that other country. And so these are things to bear in mind uh, when you're relocating. And if you want more information guidance on what your contract and tax residency status should be as an employee or as a contractor or for changing from IR35 uh, in and out, um, contact us at productpartnership.com. Expats should remember that IL35 rules are purely uh, a UK set of rules and regulations. They don't apply to other countries around the world. Uh, the employer has the liability and the responsibility. So if they are not sure, it's their risk, and therefore they were the people that would choose to uh, tax you uh, on under IR35 rules, which effectively makes you uh, pay as you earn uh, uh, for your contract. If you're working abroad and you can show that you've got a tax residence in another country, then you can pay social insurance and, and tax in that other country and reclaim the additional tax that you paid in the UK. So if you're paying tax under IR35 rules and you think that you may uh, uh, not have that liability because your tax residence in another country, uh, it may be that you can reclaim uh, that tax by getting your tax registration and social insurance together in your other jurisdiction. Um, for example, in, in Cyprus, 
you, you could get up to a 50% discount on your income tax rate. So your maximum income tax rate could be 17.5% with 0% on dividends if you're operating from a personal service company. So there's big potential benefits if you're stuck with IR35 rules in the UK. Contact us at Product Partnership for more information and guidance on that. So what we said is that if you're living and working abroad for more than six months, um, um, then um, uh, for a UK employer, then you can move that employment and, and pay that social insurance abroad as opposed to the UK. So in the UK, you're paying 12% as an employee uh, with 2% above the, the cap on, on 50,000 a year. Um, and, and you, it's a tax that you have to pay on your employment. But bear in mind, is if you're not living in the UK, then you lose some of the benefits. Uh, the only, um, if you work in less than six months abroad and you, you still deem to be a UK taxpayer, you retain your right to UK benefits and to UK health service. Uh, but the UK health service, as we've said before, is a resident-based scheme. So if you're not resident, then you don't qualify for NHS treatment anymore. Uh, but also the benefits will, will dissipate as well. So when you're living and working abroad, uh, uh, paying national insurance, um, you, you're not necessarily going to be entitled to those benefits, including things like child benefits. So that they do go away from you. So it's sometimes better to get your registration uh, uh, completed and up-to-date in your overseas country um, and, and to make sure that your family are protected uh, while you're living and working abroad. It's a complex area and it only involves a country where there's a, so, a double taxation social insurance agreement. Otherwise, you're subject to what the local rules are and the qualification criteria may be. For more information and guidance, contact us at productpartnership.com. So looking about the UK a bit more, if you're an expat arriving in the UK uh, and you want to qualify for benefits like the NHS, you need to be deemed to be ordinarily resident. So what does ordinarily resident mean? It means that you need to have a permanent home and a, a lifestyle that's based in, in the UK. So an expat coming to the UK to, to live and work, um, if they don't not got the proper visa, they've not got the, the correct um, leave to remain or settled status, um, then they, they haven't got a, a legal right to, to live and work in the UK. But if they've got that, and then they've got a home in the UK and their families with them and they're spending more than one, eight, three days in the UK in a year, then uh, it, it, um, healthcare entitlement becomes a thing that, that is offered to them, okay? Um, as well as the other state benefits. So it's, it's not automatic. And there is a, a for example, with the health service, it, it's, 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 it's a residency-based health scheme, but there is a, a surcharge, a, a, a payment that expats could pay uh, for using the UK NHS if they haven't got an ordinary resident status in the UK. So for more information and guidance about relocating to the UK as an expat, 
contact us at poetpartnership.com and subscribe to our channel because we're going to carry on this resident and benefits uh, uh, discussions in, in the weeks and, and the years ahead. Um, so when an expat leaves the UK um, and they're, they're not, even if they're employed by a UK employer, if they're spending more than six months abroad, then they can register locally for their healthcare. We said in our recent seminars that um, uh, somebody going to live and work abroad on a short-term basis can get either an S2 form, uh, um, for, uh, could get an S2 form to get some healthcare benefits while they're living and working abroad. So under the social insurance agreement, there's two forms. One of them is an S2, uh, that if you're going to live and work abroad for, on a short-term contract with a country with a reciprocal agreement, uh, you can, before you travel, you can get an S2, which allows your home country to pay medical cover and allow you full qualifications in, in the other country. So um, um, a, a, a French expat going to work in the UK uh, with an S2 uh, can get healthcare straight away uh, arriving with that S2 form. Uh, similarly, a UK expat with a, an S2 going to work in, in Spain for two years would be able to get uh, the S2, which give them the reciprocal healthcare in that other country. Um, and that is whether they're paying the social insurance or not. So it, it's about providing the um, uh, necessary healthcare, uh, essential healthcare in the other country. So it's not, it doesn't count if, if it's a cosmetic or it's a non-urgent case. If you can reasonably get back to the UK to, to have the treatment in the UK, they will do that. Otherwise, it, that could be paid for while you're living and working abroad. The S1 is a reciprocal thing, but that's only available to people with a state pension. So if you've got a state pension being paid by your country, you're entitled to an S1, and that S1 will entitle you to health care in another country with a reciprocal social insurance agreement. Uh, any UK uh, person, anybody in receipt of a UK state pension, whether they are uh, a British citizen or not, if they're receiving a UK state pension, uh, would also be entitled to be issued with an S1 to get reciprocal health care cover in a country with a social insurance agreement between the UK and that country, which includes the EU, um, the EEA countries, as well as 16 other countries around the world. For more information and guidance on healthcare when relocating overseas for retired expats, contact us at ProtPartnership.com. So th there's another start. So if you're not working, living and working abroad, but only going away on a temporary basis for up to six months, how are you covered then? Well, we talked earlier that if you're still working for a UK company or your own country, then you, you can retain your entitlement within the health service of, of your home country where the employment is with the employer paying that social insurance. If you relocate to another country, then you can qualify to join that health system 
by joining the um, uh, social insurance and, and meeting the criteria in that local jurisdiction. Uh, with an S1 or an S2, that allows that uh, and confirms the state cover, but not necessarily the, the other social insurance uh, allowances. Um, for temporary medical care, uh, EU countries issue an EHIC card, which is a, a health card. So if you're traveling to the UK um, uh, to live and work, um, but you haven't got uh, any, well, it's not just the UK, if you're traveling to any EU country and you're not uh, in a working situation and you haven't got a, uh, 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 an S1 form, an S2 form, the HIC card allows for temporary treatment to be made in that other country uh, to allow you to get the emergency treatment that you need there before you return home. The UK have got a similar scheme, uh, a, a, a GHIC card, the, the Great British Health Insurance card, that will do the same job in the 47 countries with the reciprocal healthcare treatment. So if you're uh, on a short-term working contract or you're traveling abroad regularly uh, or just visiting family and friends um, in the EU, EEA or the UK, uh, travel with your HIC card or your GBHIC uh, card and that will allow you to get uh, medical treatment in those countries without having to pay social insurance in those countries. Again, more, for more information and guidance, contact us at ProPartnership.com. Anybody uh, that travels to the UK for less than six months uh, as, a, as a resident, they're on a short-term stay, so it's not the same as the Schengen zone and the EU rules with the 90 in 180 days. In the UK, a visitor can come and stay up to six months in, in one, one go without becoming a tax resident and without um, having any other liabilities. Those people on those short-term stays up to six months as a visitor to the UK will get uh, emergency treatment on, in the UK. It doesn't count for special treatments, you know, required treatments, etc. But it, you know, But if you come and you've got a medical emergency as a short-term visitor, Again, free healthcare is available in the UK. That's not necessarily available in another country. So if you've got a completely private system, then that will be freely accessible, available to you, or, or something in the middle. So the HIC card, or the GHIC card, confirms your entitlement, uh, but otherwise you need to make sure that you're covered or protected in, in some other ways. Uh, when you... So when you are working for more than six months in another country with a social insurance system, social insurance needs to be paid. The different systems work in different ways. So in the UK, as a pay you earn, the employer uh, will deduct the employee contributions of, of generally 12%, uh, as well as make the employer contributions on your behalf. If you're self-employed, um, you're going to pay the class two rate of about £180 a year, as well as uh, class four uh, as a percentage of, of your profits and earnings each year. So um, that, that will give you that entitlement. So once you go to live and work abroad, the rates can be different and it's different for each country. So generally the maximum 
limit on amount you pay is there. So in the UK, you pay social insurance generally up to 50,000 a year. In, in other countries, the limits will be there, but they'll be a bit different. But generally, they're around the 50,000 a year mark is the maximum that you'll pay social insurance on. Um, but then again, you've got different systems. In the UK, uh, social insurance is exempt on, on the first £12,500 of earned income. So um, it, it, uh, for, for employees, that's not necessarily the case in other countries. So in the UK, in Cyprus, it's a flat rate system. So the social insurance rate of 18% for uh, self-employed is a flat rate on all income. And so you have to try and match your net income and make a claim to pay uh, the correct amount of social insurance each year uh, for that. So it's a more complicated system in the UK, um, whereas the UK have got some allowances and you pay 10% um, uh, on that income. So for more information and guidance on uh, registering for social insurance and what benefits you can get and when those entitlements would come in, contact us at propartnership.com. Have in mind, if you're an expat abroad and you're paying voluntary national insurance contributions um, at about 17, 18 pounds a week, um, that will gain you state pension benefits, but it doesn't gain you any other benefits. There's no other bereavement or maternity allowances or any other social insurance allowances that come, come from that. The voluntary contribution only enhances your UK state pension. Uh, if if a, a UK expat is going to work abroad and they're paying uh, national insurance, um, they can elect to pay uh, as when they're working abroad, when they first go, class two national insurance. And that will also offer a maternity and a, a bereavement allowance in addition to uh, enhancing state state pensions. Uh, so there's some advantages that anybody going to work abroad for a, a significant amount of time, not tied to a UK employment contract, uh, should consider uh, uh, maintaining class two uh, whatever they're working abroad. For more information and guidance, contact us at productpartnership.com. So, in summary, uh, do you have to pay national insurance when you're abroad? If you're working for a UK employer and you're, and you're living and working in the UK uh, abroad for less than six months, then you can remain fully as a UK taxpayer with, with national insurance and social insurance taxes. Once you go beyond that, you need to register locally. And that might mean your business being reorganised or your tax status being organised. The good news is you can free yourself from the tax liability of IR35. IR35 rules are a UK tax rule that are applied on the employers and force them to make those tax deductions. But if you're a contractor working remotely as an expat overseas, then it's potentially to reclaim uh, uh, some IR35 tax that may have been deducted uh, while, while you were tax resident in another country. Um, so there's a difference between residence and tax residence and, and what is your ordinary residence to determine your liability to pay that social insurance 
and those taxes, uh, uh, whether it's IL35 UK page of earn tax rules, or whether it's, it's um, uh, expat remote working uh, personal service company rules. For more information and guidance, contact us at productpartnership.com. Subscribe, because next week we'll go into a bit more detail uh, to try and uh, break down some of the mystique uh, with living and working abroad and, and, and what you have to do, the hurdles you have to go through to, to protect your family and business while you're living and working abroad. Thanks a lot for listening today, and we'll see you next time. The Proact Know How, brought to you by Proact.